0: Have you ever wanted a way to connect more with your mind? To maybe relax your mind? To maybe be one-on-one with your mind? To work things through? To maybe just give it a bit of a reset? Because it's bombarded with life. It's bombarded with a bit of the past, present and future. It's bombarded. Yeah, it's bombarded. If you want to find a way to relax your mind without, you know, the buzzwords of mindfulness and and meditation and I don't know, all that stuff that for many of us in society it feels that it's hard to do. I mean, it shouldn't be hard to sit still and just relax and focus on your breathing, but if it was easy to do, why would people always be talking about it like we have to do it? Um... Yeah, so if you are looking for a a way to calm your mind and be one with your mind, I highly recommend you go and check out floatculture.co.nz. They are a company that specialize in floating services. So you go there, you have an experience um, in the float tank. They they guide you through from start to finish. So you can go there as a novice, you can go there as a a floating expert. And Float Culture really does... um, set the standard in my opinion um for 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 this kind of meditation on the go you know you're busy or or you're not or, or you don't come from that world of meditation and and you don't have to be an expert you just they've set the scene so that you can go in and and just turn the lights off get in the float tank be weightless and the rest takes over automatically it's like sometimes i think meditation is a way to turn off the senses so it feels like you are in a tank but if you can't get to that place because you haven't got the skills mentally then go to float culture and you can bypass all that other stuff and just get the goodness so yeah visit floatculture.co.nz and um, if if you're at all interested in that type of stuff they're ready for your call or your email today Okay team, welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. I want to thank you all for joining me again for another round. You know, it's like I sometimes think, what's the goal here? And I guess there is no goal um, in terms of, are you going for the biggest numbers in a podcast? Are you trying to make it exclusively sponsor-driven so you don't have to work? And I'm like, no, no, what would it look like to just have something that you commit to doing every week and for me it's many of those things and I think that's what life is you know you commit to this you commit to that and you see it through you get it done and that's not always easy there's lots of obstacles along the way but I think um, the more we can get those things into our life the little routines like for example I'm making a routine of making this podcast every week you're making a routine of downloading the podcast every week that's life you just times that by like a hundred and then you've got a busy life so so there's no goal i mean overall i guess the goal would be talk to a thousand people and hopefully have a a more wise worldview than just i'm a leftist or i'm a rightist is that right i'm on the left or on the right or center i don't know you know i don't want do do i have to pick between carnivore and vegan do i have to pick between male and female or in the middle i don't know i don't i want to be part all and so, I'm trying to find the courage and the bravery through these conversations to talk about complicated issues, and, and um, sometimes you know that requires a bit of bravery, um, because yeah, it just it's not uh, obvious what the right solution is. Um, I had a conversation yesterday about the New Zealand government taking kind of references to God and Jesus out of our national conversation. Or government conversation and and you know although I you know I'm not kind of like I don't have a position either way I did think well why are you taking it out and more importantly what are you replacing it with so who currently what's so, so you're saying that's not a good idea anymore so what's your good idea and You know, has your idea been around 2,000 years or what makes you think your idea is so good that it's going to (laughs) help? So yeah, you know, it's all of those things plus infinity and we're just working our way through this and I'm just working my way through this. So it's awesome to have you um, on the team um, blowing my mind every week by helping to share the podcast, by downloading the podcast and being part of the conversation. This week's episode is with uh yeah my new professor friend i've got another professor friend um i don't know if he'd call myself um, his friend but that's all right because that's the good thing about the podcast it's my podcast i can say whatever i want um professor wayne cutfield he joins me to talk about this microbiome gut gut kind of gut bacteria that can help uh, other people so healthy gut bacteria can help an unhealthy gut bacteria person get healthy and it's been dubbed the poo pill um which really strikes a chord in your mind right it's like you you think of someone taking poo and giving it to another person and that healthy poo bugs or gut biome or poo bugs help the other person's unhealthy poo bugs and and together you know it's like it's like um people people helping each other through poo but this idea of poo being such a uh, thing that humans are so fascinated with you know like i don't want to get too graphic here but i'm sure you had a time do you remember like looking over the toilet bowl as a toddler and like picking up mr hanky you know it was disgusting but why you know why you wouldn't go pick up a snake but you pick up the poo snake it's like maybe there's something in us that needs to you know like um going out and touching the dirt and getting dirty and and this modern kind of trend of like be clean and don't do that and wear shoes maybe at a deep human level we need to kind of play with poo there we go i said it playing with poo (sighs) professor wayne cutfield and i talk about many things including how he kind of thought about this idea, to research what it means. You know, why would it be that um, a healthy person can help an unhealthy person from the inside out? I mean, in this culture and society, we do it the other way, where it's the outside in. You know, how you look, how you feel, and then hopefully that moves in. Wayne and his crew are going the other way, inside. And I think there's something really cool and really deep about that. So we get into the conversation about lots of different things. Um, I want to thank Professor Wayne Cutfield for taking time. He's a very busy person. He took time to sit down and have a yarn with us on this podcast. And yeah, let's stop talking. Let's get into the chat about poos and pills and blowing minds. We live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face-to-face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's silence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming. Welcome to my podcast, Please Blow My Mind. Oh, it's getting warm. Sweating. <laughs> well, you have raced in here. It's always three deep the way. Breaths,
1: 3 deep breaths.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Wayne. Um, let's jump in. Wayne, thank you yep. for joining me on my podcast. Have you done a podcast in your in your office before Is this? No, first time, well, I've done TV interviews,
1: radio, newsprint. uh, various internet platforms but not podcasting so time for something new
0: time for something new it's awesome to have you on the show look i'm keen on talking about the the poo pill and excuse me but that's how i've told all my friends i'm going to talk to the poo guy um are you kind of surprised by the amount of interest in in this in this topic of you know yeah i mean what's the official
1: name for okay oh, we call them gut bugs capsules because okay. they are capsules but they are referred in the media as poo pills because it's easy to say great so it's not uh, just me no but but they're not really just poo pills i mean that just sounds like we're putting poo inside pills <laughs> and in reality what we're doing is we're taking yep we're taking fresh human poo but mm. we're getting rid of all of the waste extracting the bacteria cleaning them up putting them inside one capsule then putting them inside a second capsule so they they're almost like handmade chocolates they they're a labor of love they're not quick and easy to make you you couldn't mass produce them the way that we're doing in our in our initial pilot but to come back to your question uh, am i surprised uh i am, i am but in many ways um it's become very clear over the last six or nine months when I talk to friends, people I know mm-hmm. about this topic. It turns out to dominate the conversation in any social gathering. It might be a barbecue, yeah. might be a party. Yes. People might be intoxicated. They still want to know, and they've got a, a, a view um, about this field. And I guess it's because. So I, I have been surprised, but I've become less surprised the mm. more the more it's discussed. And I guess it's because. It's new science that seems a bit weird, but is certainly very plausible, Mm. and maybe potentially hugely impactful. And it captures people. Um, And given that one of the things we're using for at the moment is to treat obesity, everybody on the planet's got a view about obesity, what causes it, why, what we need to do about it. They may be right, they may be wrong, but everybody's got a view. Everybody has some level of knowledge and understanding about obesity. So you put the two together and it's a it's a really interesting conversational piece.
0: I'll tell you what, it captures the imagination and I wonder if that's part of what, you know, this modern society of you get things done, there's an algorithm, you know, there's not much variance it feels like, you know, that everything's structured. Maybe this, mm. something a bit different, you know, yeah. we're, we're looking for difference and you've kind of, if you're, if you're someone who's looking for difference, maybe there's not too many places outside politics. and yep. you know, In fact, it's not even encouraged that much to be different in general society, you know? Yeah. If you go on social media, you've got to join a camp now. Right. And I guess that I spent a bit of time thinking about that kind of stuff. So these huge topics like, you know, this, this poop hill, it's like, wow, now we're not in a team. Now we're facing one one problem which is obesity that doesn't matter what gender color yeah exactly
1: um i think that so what we're doing clearly is quite innovative Mm. and it's a bit eg and it's a bit risky um we know from studies in mice that if you take the gut bugs from a skinny mouse and put them in a fat mouse the fat mouse gets thinner Mm. and vice versa Mm. and if you take the gut bugs from a thin person and put them in a fat mouse, the mouse gets thinner. So you can go from mouse to mouse or h- human to mouse, mm. but there haven't been any human to human studies. And there's a whole bunch of tricky technical bits. Mice are different to us because they eat each other's poo. We don't tend to do that very often. True. Um, so somehow with uh, with the gut bugs, we needed to get them into the bowel, and we needed to work out how to do that. Because if you just sort of swallowed them, the bugs would hit the stomach and the stomach acid would just chew them up. It's mm-hmm. so acidic there. You know that every so often when you vomit, you've got that awful acid in your mouth, that, well, that stomach acid. So we needed to design the capsules so that they would the bugs would stay in the capsules until they got all the way into the bowel and then were released. Mm-hmm. So that's we, we've taken technology that others have used and put the gut bugs um, into that. The other way to, of course, have the treatment is to either put a tube down mm-hmm into the bowel or put a tube up into the bowel and that's pretty intrusive, pretty invasive and not entirely safe and I wouldn't see too many people lining up to have that done to them if that's how they got their treatment. Mm. So that's how we came onto the the capsules and what we first of all we discovered with the capsules is that the most important question is, and there are lots of challenges in doing research Mm. and that's what the documentary The Good Shit showed. And one of the first challenges is, if you put new gut bugs into an overweight, obese person, will you change the gut bugs? Because if you can't change them, you're done for. In that, it's not gonna work. How can it work? Mm. It needs to change the gut bugs. So we showed that in fact, the, the super donor gut bacteria, when we put them in the, when they, when they, when they were inside the, the, the overweight teens, um, and their gut bugs did indeed change, And they remain changed, not for a few days, not for a few weeks, but right out for a whole six months of follow-up, the new gut bugs had got established, the healthier ones, and they're there, and they're there to stay. And that was pretty cool, because Mm -hmm. that suggested a single treatment could last such a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, eventually, if the gut bugs reverse back to the unhealthy ones, then you could potentially have another treatment. Mm -hmm. But... The, the treatment isn't needed every day might be needed twice a year, might be needed once a year, might mm. be needed once full stop.
0: Okay, so you've got this finding yeah that you can one person can affect another yeah on the inside out. Mm. What does that mean? What does that mean that that's a thing? Should we be should science be looking for more examples of this like for example, can, a healthy mind affect another if you were to take some i mean is this yep. and i'll try not to put yep. you in areas where you have to speak out of turn it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah 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 i'm interested yeah, yeah. in you know when we're at a barbecue we give ourselves the permission yeah. to dream to yeah, think yeah. to talk yeah. but when we're locked into you have to be you and i have to be me yeah I just want us to kind of preface that we're not saying we're not making any statements. It's just a, a chat, mm-hmm. and and a good thing about a chat is you could be wrong, you could be right. You might ever leave thinking hmm, that wasn't worth it, or it was. Yeah. But so, what's nature telling us, or what's the grand plan saying?
1: Well, okay. So um, we we dare to dream, and we dare to dream all through this project, mm-hmm. and we dare to dream in that if this really works, we could potentially help m- millions of people, yeah. hundreds of millions of people yeah. around the world. But it goes way beyond that Well, in that if you go back 15 years, we thought that our gut bugs were like, um, were like squatters. They were living, we're the house, and they're squatting. Mm-hmm. They're not causing any trouble. We, we don't really know they're there. They don't do anything for us. We don't do anything, we house them. Yep. But really, we kind of coexist mm. separately. We now see them not as squatters, but really as um, fee-paying, really helpful tenants, in that they're giving us stuff back, they're helping keep the house clean, they're mm. giving us rent, we're housing them and looking after them, and we sort of feed them, and they do a whole lot of things for us. So they're actually, we actually have an important relationship with them, and it isn't just around weight. That's been the focus, mm. um, but... They can influence, it's thought, and I say thought because it still needs to be tested, but it's thought they could impact on a whole range of different parts of our lives. These are bugs sitting in our bowels. Um, We know that they, they influence how much food we can absorb, but some of the products from the bugs, the bacteria, get into the circulation and they influence how we make fat. They influence our immune system. Mm. They influence our behavior and our mind. So coming back to your question, gut bugs could actually influence our behavior, our well-being, our mental health, our allergic health. You know, do we suffer from allergic diseases? And could they help with that with various bowel disorders? All of these things are are yet to be looked at. So we're in this kind of exciting phase where there's this amazing concept of these, we thought they were squatters, but they're actually really valuable tenants, mm-hmm. and we're just trying to learn all the things these tenants can do for us, other than just pay the rent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if, if studies done in, in mice, and some of the association studies done in humans, they're not treatment studies yet, they are very strongly suggestive that they play a vital role in all of these things. But until you do a study like ours, where you actually do an intervention study as a treatment study, only then do you really, really know how good the promise is of gut bugs in Mm. terms of influencing our health, our well-being, our mental health, our behaviour. For example, it's possible that gut bugs could influence our appetite. So when you sit there and you think, I've just had one muffin and I'd like a second one, did you make that call or your gut bugs signaling to you (laughs) to eat the second muffin? Now, I'm being slightly facetious, but, you know, gut bugs may well influence our appetite and more of our behavior than we realize.
0: It just, it blows my mind the fact that we hardly ever give any consideration that there's more going on than just what we think. Exactly. And and I think that suggests that that we should be thinking more, you know, that we're all part of this. I think we know it. We know we're all part of a thing. And we need to kind of align everything up. But we're just, you know, because you've got the gastric bypass thing over here. Yeah. Which is very much, it's about you. We're just going to cut stuff out. Yeah. You'll be fine. Get some, you know.
1: It works, but, you know, it's not a simple procedure.
0: Yeah. and then It's not for everyone. Yeah. Well, I've talked to some doctors too, and they're like, well, be careful of the psychological afterward, you know, because you might be used to being the big jolly person, and now you're not where do you find meaning and all that stuff and yeah. then you've got what you guys are doing which is kind of literally everyone says start with the inside and bring work it out it. and, and yeah. it's just the perfect example I'm yeah. still trying to get over why we it seems like humans have some type of fascination with poo I was trying to work out well you know when you're a toddler yeah. and you're grabbing poo what's happening there are you getting bacteria that way is yeah. it like the hands yeah. in the dirt yeah. is there something that yeah. But mm. I
1: think um yeah, so you're right. Um, when we're young, our lives are dominated by p- poos and wees, and that's <laughs> and little boys. That's all they talk about the poos and wees jokes. Um, but you're right about exposure, and I think we don't really understand how important that is. Mm. There's been quite a lot of debate and dialogue around this sort of over sanitized society mm-hmm. where we are too clean, yep. and therefore we are more likely to get all these allergic conditions, asthma and eczema and various other things Um, but the other point may well be how effectively are we acquiring our gut bugs, Mm. some of those we will ingest, we'll swallow the only ones that survive are the ones that are spores, effectively like seeds if Mm. you like Um, in that the, the actual bacteria won't make it through but nevertheless our environment will provide us with gut bacteria so while we think that we have an important determinant on our health and well-being, then if we're in a family, what effect are they having on us? Mm. And how are they sharing their gut bugs with us? Because if you're in a very healthy family, that might be a good thing. In other words, they eat healthy, they have healthy diets, um, they're very active. But if you're unluckier and you're in an unhealthy environment, Is is your microbiome going to be dragged down by by theirs? (laughs) And if you live in a very healthy um, environment, could it be, and this is all speculation, something that I'm very keen to look at, is that when we take antibiotics or various other things happen to us that kind of nuke our gut bugs, antibiotics are a very effective way of mucking up your gut microbiome. Mm. Do we recover from that better if we've got a healthy sibling whose microbiome can be shared we, there are, there's some data to suggest that antibiotics early in childhood could be associated with obesity mm. could a healthy sibling protect you when your microbiome's messed up by antibiotics, could it be protective? So it introduces the concept that our health and well-being—we kind of know that we care for each other—but yeah. maybe our microbiome is also potentially able to care for each other.
0: Wow! And you know, things like hanging around with positive people might be more than just yeah. someone with a
1: well. Yeah. Well, you know, what's it like if you live on your own versus uh, you mm-hmm. know
0: you, you live with your whānau? Yeah. Well what about if you're spending more time on social media?
1: Yeah, and and not enough time with people.
0: Yeah, and and that's a real thing now, isn't it? Mm.
1: Or what about the kids who go to daycare? Are they better off than those who don't? Yeah. Most kids tend to go to to, to gay daycare or kindergartens, but even Mm. so, trying to understand the impact of all of that is going to be interesting. And all of that pivots off gut bacteria and the role they could have. All to be tested, Yeah, all to be tested. Lots of potential promise, mm. but I think the next five to ten years will be incredibly interesting yeah. in terms of just what they can do for us.
0: Yeah. Well, does it make you optimistic thinking about this stuff? I mean, we do live in a world where sometimes it feels like we lack a bit of meaning. Yeah. You know, does does this stuff make you kind of feel that? Um, there's kind of meaning out there I mean for you personally I I guess it kind of flows into where where, where do you find your meaning is it is it in the research is it a mixture of just trying to be a happy person um
1: I think you know doing research is is part of my day job and Mm. it's something I really love and I Mm. enjoy doing and clearly thinking up an interesting question and then addressing it and and having a really interesting answer is pretty cool Mm. but you can't pick the answer if you have an hypothesis or a question you don't know whether it's going to be right or wrong or left (laughs) or right until you test it so you know there are ups with it Mm. and then there are downs when it doesn't work out and sometimes the downs lead you down another path into a different direction so um if this turned out to be effective that would be amazing for a whole bunch of reasons it's a one of the things I'd like to do in research, it's easy to do research that's published in really good journals and you can become quite famous and give talks all around the world and that's mm. all cool. But to do research that actually change, that changes the lives and well-being of people, that's much cooler and much, much, much more difficult because most of the research we do isn't going to change anybody's life in mm. any meaningful way. Yeah. So to actually do something that could make a huge difference, that is... That would be really, really, really cool. Yeah, no, I really I, like that.
0: I totally agree. Where does your fascination come from for research? I mean, did, is that something that early on you were actively seeking to, to find the answers to questions?
1: Yeah. When I came back to New Zealand, I trained in the US and I started being a pediatrician, pediatric endocrinologist. And then there was an opportunity to do research and to ask questions and when you start asking questions and you get interesting answers it just cascades (laughs) and becomes a domino effect and the the more you look the more you pursue the more interesting questions can arise and this was a field I mean the advice from those I know uh, other scientists was don't get into this gut microbiome field there are so many people there you won't you know the competition's too tough you won't be able to do anything meaningful they're all bigger players and no to hell with that I think my approach is we've got a really good idea we think we can do something different and Mm. innovative and 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 we're just gonna do it. You know? Kiwis can step up and there's this long tradition of Kiwis punching above their weight Mm -hmm. and also having the whole number eight wire mentality, which is, you know, there are problems you have and you just sort them out and find a solution and Mm -hmm. you don't get put off intimidated by others. And that's Mm -hmm. what we've done. We've just said we're gonna do this. One day I said to several of my colleagues, we're gonna do this, we're gonna start, we're not mucking around anymore, we're gonna design and start a treatment. Study and one of the first problems was how do you get it funded? Yeah. Because if you do something totally novel, then traditional research funding bodies don't tend to want to fund it. They want to fund things that there's an obvious answer. to often, mm. it can't be so so cutting edge and yeah. novel. And we fortunately fortunately I met a, a donor, a wealthy donor who, who loved the novelty of it, who loved the ingenuity of it, the potential impact of it. But what he really liked was here was a bunch of Kiwis who were really prepared to have a go at something edgy. And that's what he really liked. And he's funded the whole project.
0: Amazing.
1: And he's given us a lot of money to do it because this sort of research isn't cheap. (laughs) No. It's not cheap.
0: And and where are we at at the moment? So where are you guys at at the moment? Um, The TV show covered
1: just the pilot, which was the first handful of girls. So we've recruited everybody we need for the big study. And that's 90 teens and 90 teens have been treated, half are treated, half are placebo. So we have this thing called a randomized placebo-controlled study. What that basically means is half get treatment, half don't. We don't know who is treated Mm. and who isn't, and they don't know either, until we get to the end, because we don't want to treat them differently along the journey. So everybody's been recruited and they're part way on the journey to the six-month period of follow-up. So um, by the end of the summer, we should be done, we should be finished and that's when we start analysing the information. Now a study like this, because we've collected information on the gut bugs of the donors, the super donors, Mm -hmm. plus the teens we've treated at multiple intervals over six months, that in itself generates literally billions of pieces of information plus all the other information we've collected on them and that has to be analysed. That's a huge task, it's a monumental, it's an exciting task (laughs) and we've got special data People, bioinformaticians, working with us to help us manage the data because it's just so much data to analyse.
0: <sighs> this is this is super interesting, and and I guess my my question is, you know, you hope for favourable, well, you don't hope for anything. You just look at what comes in in yep. terms of data, yep. and you and yep. you, and, you, and you go We can be
1: optimistic of yeah. the of the outcome, but we're we're not going to we're not going to prejudice the outcome. We're not going to you know manipulate the outcome. We, mm. we will see what the Um, intervention can do. If it is effective, then that would be brilliant if it's partially effective the question is why is it partially effective and how can we make it more effective Mm. if it's not effective and we've taken all apart and it doesn't seem to work that's still an important message out there for the world and that is we had so much promise and hope here maybe this is not quite the right promise and hope Mm. despite all of the animal studies and mouse studies and Mm. uh, maybe it maybe it isn't for us but we we won't know until we analyze all the data
0: do you think um you know the old message of you know I guess calorie control and exercise yep. why aren't those things still um, good enough yep. is, it, is it because it's you can't operate with not having the total feeling of being full or you know what I mean I'm just trying to work mm. out
1: where uh, look fundamentally I think humans are hedonists we love the good things in life and we like the easiest path possible we now live in a land of plenty we don't face um you know food security is not an issue for the vast majority of us yeah. the problem that we face is not when the next meals coming it's will i be eating in another half an hour and what nice food will i be eating um so you, you know you, given the choice, we won't diet, we'll eat, and there's so many nice things to eat that are so available. (laughs) And we don't like exercising. We'll do everything we can do to avoid exercise. So it's difficult for humans. The recipe to to, to manage our weight is pretty simple. You eat less and exercise more. Mm. And some of us, that will work better for than others. But nevertheless, it works if you do enough of and get that balance right. But are there other solutions that are more... Uh, palatable because it hasn't worked so far if you look at what's happened to our obesity rates in New Zealand and around the world they just march up Mm. so everybody's aware if you were to line up 99% of New Zealanders they would tell you that the way you can lose weight is that you eat less and exercise Mm -hmm. more but they can't do that and translate it so are there other things we can do to make Mm. that process easier is it possible that the gut bug's if you do diet and exercise, may make the effects even bigger still. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't have to be quite as intensive dieting or as intensive exercise. Mm. Um, We don't we don't know that whether the gut bugs can work alone, even if you keep eating badly and don't exercise or or whether they need a bit of help. Mm. In other words, they need you to have a slightly tidier lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle, Mm. and then they can do their stuff.
0: And as I say, only time will let us know that when we analyze the data at the end. And when you go down to research something like this, do you have to have a vast knowledge of lots of different ways if it's weight loss? Like, yeah. you know, I was talking to someone this morning about isn't it funny that we thought that you could put a, like a tapeworm in there and it would yeah. eat up some of the food. and? Yeah. I mean, technically it's what you're saying. It's living in your house. and. Yeah, but That's an extreme example yes. beyond, beyond but a but single again, bacteria. Yeah. That's, a, that's a giant tapeworm. <laughs> I
1: mean, there was, I, I heard somewhere that there was this tale about this guy who had a weight problem. I think he had some sort of documentary or program. Uh, Did you hear about him? Okay, so what he did is he was engaged, I think, to get married and he swallowed a tapeworm. And sure enough, over the months, he lost weight and he lost weight. Um, And as the wedding was getting closer, his partner said, you've got to get rid of that tapeworm because, of course, what do tapeworms do at night? They come out looking for food.
0: Oh, yuck. Everyone's itching now. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so gut
1: bugs are much much more palatable. Yeah. But, you know, that's a much simpler, you know, a, a simpler process than, than
0: tapeworms. Yeah. OK, so well, a couple of questions and then we'll wrap it up because you've been very generous in, in your time. And, um, I mean, on that point of time, though, how do you structure your days? I mean, is its it... Is it um, you find a good balance? I mean, th- I guess what I'm saying is can you turn this stuff off in your head and just focus on other things or is it all consuming until we say gut bugs is the next big thing or not?
1: Yeah. Um, so, well, my my life is composed of bits, pieces and one of them is doing clinical work mm. and seeing patients. That's quite a big piece. And the other piece is, is doing research. Either supervising it, managing it, overseeing it, designing it, building it. And when you have some really interesting projects It they do tend to kind of dominate your thinking mm. day and the interesting thing about research is it will consume every hour you've got free to give it, <laughs> there's always more to do, yeah. write another grant analyse this, pursue this read more about that, there's always stuff to do, whereas with clinical work when you finish seeing patients you can generally sort out the results and things and then go home, mm. but with research there's always more to do There's
0: always more to do yeah yeah I just think about you know trying to find tips for people out there who it feels right to fill our days up with stuff and sometimes I sit back and think what the hell are we filling our days up with stuff you know why mm-hmm. when's the last time you went for a walk I know that yeah. sounds stupid and yeah. but it's, yeah. it's real things you know yeah. we're, we're so into this world of sometimes I think we can be trying to find answers to new questions and forgetting the answers that are already there you know so something about yeah. that balance and
1: well I mean the whole work life balance I think the difficulty that successful people and I'm not saying I'm successful but that generally those the sort of the type a striving successful people struggle with work-life balance <laughs> they, their work dominates their world mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely sure that lots of those people have got that balance right where they've had an opportunity to spend enough time for themselves with their family Mm. you know to smell the salt air to go for a walk in the bush i'm not sure they've done enough of that i
0: don't i know i don't yes yes well that's you know that's the thing right you can be the amazing person you mentioned that if one's lucky you do something amazing gets to travel around the world but at what cost right mm-hmm. it's like it's not always bad not going after the giant thing no um final question i ask every guest is is there a time in your life or a moment which i call it blew your mind helped you not see the world the same way yeah was there a kind of a game changer or something like that for you
1: I think if we think about the whole gut bugs thing, mm. the more I read and learnt and understood about the promise that it had, that now needs to be tested, was this is, we gotta do it, this is so exciting, we just gotta do this. And when you talk to other people and non-scientists, and that's a pretty good litmus, if you can, if you can engage with and interest people who aren't scientists, Maybe it's meaningful. Scientists can talk to each other all day long about the most boring stuff on the planet, but you know, I thought that this is so exciting. This is just just just—I've just got to be there. Mm-hmm. I've just got to be there. This is a journey I've got to go on. I'm not—I'm not—I'm not going to miss out on the gut bugs journey. Mm-hmm. What, wherever that goes, we're not sure where it goes, but it's just a, a wonderful, exciting opportunity. So for me, that's kind of launched this body of research that I'm doing which I think is the most exciting stuff I'm doing at the <sighs> it's
0: pretty cool and I look forward to kind of touching base with you down the road because eh? we can talk about I mean you'll be a squillionaire by then you know, <laughs> funding my podcast
1: I'm going to search yes. as I never squillionaires <laughs>
0: um, yeah something that humans have done for a long time I'm going to shake your hand we're going to share some cells share yes, a moment that's right to, and some bacteria there we go thank you for joining me on the podcast my my pleasure Well, thank cool. you that's us. Just quickly, before I do my big ask, let me tell you a bit about me. My name is Will Fleming, and I'm almost 38 years old. I love my family and my job as a video creator. I'm slowly turning into a grumpy old man who can't tolerate how society is being oversimplified and undercomplicated because people can't be bothered looking up and saying hi. Get off my lawn. So, my plan is to have more awesome conversations with amazing people inside a caravan built in a mobile podcast studio, and that's where I need your help. So let me break down my big idea a little more. It's a mobile podcast live stream caravan. Imagine a road with a caravan. And inside that caravan on a road is a podcast studio with two beautiful people. You see, we don't need more clickbait, short form, oversimplified, oversimplifying chicken nugget type content off one size fits all. What we need is long form, interesting content that puts the human back into the internet. But I need your help. I need your help, bro. And it all starts by building this mobile studio. And thanks to the magic of dad science, I've worked out exactly what I need.
1: I need one million dollars.
0: I need you to help donate what you can to raise $10,000 to buy an old caravan, do it up and invite you on a road trip of ideas That will blow your mind. The question I have is Will you back me up? Will you help me? If the answer is yes, 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 then please click on my Give a Little page and donate what you can to make this dream come true. Do it! Just do it! Okay, catch you later.